Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. And on this episode, a young woman will discuss her face-to-face encounter with a real-life monster and her struggle to understand what she'd seen. Missy Sterling believes there is, quote, something about her particular arrangement of molecules that sets her up for countless experiences of high strangeness. Her brand new book is Rakes, Fakes, and Double Takes, just not in that order. Missy Sterling, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. What part of the country are you in? I'm in Mississippi. Mississippi. All right. Yep. Before we get into your encounter, you attribute uh, your encounters with high strangeness on a number of things, possible things. One is that it could be genetic, that it runs in families. Uh, you say that your great-great-grandmother, your great grandmother, Lily, was psychic. You also have a right. neurological condition called synesthesia, which I've, I've heard about, but I've never spoken to someone who has synesthesia. Can you explain what synesthesia is? Sure. Uh, so it's when you have a bleed through in your brain. When one sense is triggered, it'll trigger another sense. And so um, a lot of people will have a color associated with dates or numbers. Um, I have uh, what they call time-space synesthesia. So it's really strange, but it's like I'll ha- I have this internal sphere. And this is just like in my mind's eye. I've always had it. And wherever I am in space and time, like as I move through my day, I go around the sphere. And of course, this is all in my mind, but there there are certain plotted. And if there's like a particularly emotionally charged memory, I can I can go back on my little sphere and remember exactly like where I was and everything associated with that memory. So it's like I know it sounds really crazy, (laughs) Um, but it's just, uh, they, they also call it calendar synesthesia. So, yeah, it's it's kind of strange. Oh, it just sounds to me like you have an incredible memory, re- incredible recall. I, I think so. I've never, you know, I've never had it tested, but I, I do tend to remember a um, lot. <laughs> yeah. All right. We should mention that um, this episode is kind of the official launch of your new book, Rakes, Fakes, and Double Takes, just not in that order. And uh, I'm... I'm honored that um, you would pick this particular program to launch your show or to launch your new book. Oh, I'm, I'm honored you're having me. Uh, But okay. So I've had a couple of things go on recently. Um, I got COVID and so the book's been delayed just 
a little bit, but I'm, we're pretty sure it'll be out by November 15th. So oh. yeah, just, just some little hiccups. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's begin with your, your personal encounter with uh, what you call a real life monster. Did this take place in Mississippi? It did. Well, right on the Mississippi, Alabama line. It was a sun. Do you want me to just go into it? Yeah. Tell us the story. Okay. I'm nervous. Sorry. That's okay. A- it was um, a Sunday evening and I always go and visit my mom on Sunday. She lives about 20 miles from me, but it's right at the Mississippi, Alabama state line. And I'm on my way home. It's like a winding two lane, you know, typical winding two lane road. And as I come around this corner ahead, I can see that there's something in the road. And we have a lot, this area is really highly populated with deer. We have a lot of deer in the area. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, it's a deer. But then as I get closer to it, I'm starting to realize it's not a deer. And by the time I'm on it, I'm at a complete stop. And the creature was just kind of like frozen there. Um, It felt like a stare down, but I, my brain did this thing. It was like, it felt like maybe a glitch inside my brain because I, I knew that what I was seeing was not a deer, but I had, I had nothing to compare it to. I couldn't make any sense of it. So it was extremely thin, um, really, really pale skin. Its eyes were round and black. Um, they also reflected my headlights though, but its mouth was in this, like, it had a really, really large mouth for the size of its head. Um, it was just gaping open, almost like a fear face kind of, or like a scream face. And it, but no sound was coming out. And that was horrifying. Um, was, so it I, on all, I, was it on all fours? Was it on, was it bipedal? It was, it was on all fours when, well, it was on its, I guess what you would call hands. I can't remember seeing the hands, but it was like, down on hands and knees. Um, I like, I don't have memory about what its hands or its feet looked like, but it was, yeah, it was just, um, as if it were crawling. Um, but at some point it, it stood up on its two back legs. Um, and it took off right into the left of me. I mean, like unearthly fast. It was insane, but it let out this screech when, Oh, I still get chill bumps when I talk about it. It let out this screech when it took off running and it was kind of like a combination between a mountain lion and a, an adult female woman. It was, but it was bone chilling. It was the most horrifying sound I've ever heard in my life. And I don't have any memory of driving off, but at some point, like when my memory picks back up on the side of the road, attempting to use my cell phone, I was, I thought I want, I want my mama, right? Because it was terrifying, but I couldn't remember how to use the phone. It was, um, a really, a really strange thing to go through because it wasn't like I knew how, and I'd forgotten how to use the phone. It was like, I'd never known how to use it. It was really strange. So I called the last person, person, my call log, who would have been the last person that I spoke to on the phone and they didn't pick up, but I left them a voicemail and i I think I described it as an alien looking thing because that's the only kind of conceptual image I could come up with at that point. But, um, it had scared me so bad. I wet my pants and I, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that until I was like almost home, but then I got home and 
passed and I was, you know, trying to process what had happened, I think a lot of people, and this was my experience, you think that you're crazy because the only thing you can question is your reality. There's really no place you can, like no one place you can go and kind of search for things like this to see what happened, unless it's a fairy tale. Like that's the only, you know, that's the only source you'll find where anything like this is mentioned as it, you know, like something that's actually happening, like real. Um, so I waited, I waited a while. Um, initially I didn't search for anything. And I've said before, I think it was because I was more afraid that I wouldn't find anything, you know, because then that would, if I didn't find anything at all, that would confirm to me that I was just losing my mind. Right. You mean, but, you say I mean, find anything, you mean you went online to see if, right. if you recognized any images of any sort of cryptid or anything like that. But let me just get back to this creature for a moment. Okay. And it, it, it sounds like it has, as you mentioned, a cross between a mountain lion. So it's got some feline qualities perhaps uh, oh no, that's that's just what the scream sounded like, like the, the scream. scream that came, yeah, ah, like right. An and um, but in terms of its physicality, was it was it? You said it was very very thin. Uh, it has very pale skin. You said so. It's not covered in hair or fur. It's skin. Right. Uh, do you know how a dolphin has that kind of shiny, wet looking type skin? Yeah. Yes. That that it would to me that it would almost be like that it had like a sheen to it kind of like a um you know well just like a dolphin skin but it wasn't the color of a dolphin it was almost transparent did it have some yeah. humanoid qualities to it yeah um i mean it's it's physique i guess it didn't it wasn't an animal people have said before well you just saw a bear with mange and I know what a bear looks like and I know what a bear with manes looks like, but this, this looked like a human in that it had arms, legs, um, torso, and uh, its head was shaped like a human's, but there were a lot of things about it that weren't human at all. And it ran off into the woods. Uh, did it appear to be injured in any way? Not that I remember. It was, I, at the time I thought it was a child, which is strange to me. And I guess I just intuited this uh, because it was kind of smaller, maybe, I mean, judging the size of my vehicle and where it, where, where it was like based on that, if it were standing up, it would have probably been about four feet, five feet tall. And I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't have anything to compare it to, but at the time I kept thinking it was a child. Afterwards, after it ran into yeah, Well, yeah, right. right. When I, when I like got, you know, had time to kind of, I don't know if you ever really completely process something like that, but when I sat down and got a little more calm, I, like I was thinking, you know, that it was a, a young child. And then, yeah. and then you began your search online. How did, how did that journey begin? Were you just looking up images for, how did you, how did you even start to search for something like that online? What do you type into the search? <laughs> right. I wish I had my search history, but um, so initially, like I, like I said, I wouldn't search anything because I was afraid of not finding anything at all. And I had, I had told a couple of my friends about the experience and they were like, you know, this isn't something you can really talk about. We, you know, everybody's going to think you're crazy. It'll just ruin you. And so for a while, I, tr you know, I tried to just shove it down and I, I couldn't let it go. So I think my initial search was like, uh, chalk white humanoid or chalk white humanoid creature in rural area or something like that. Um, and I, 
eventually it led me to a news broadcast where this woman is talking about a trail cam photo that someone sent in. And when I saw the, initially saw that picture of that trail cam photo, a lot of people call it the rake, but my blood ran cold because that looked exactly, I mean, so similar. It could, it could have been the same creature if it had been smaller. The trail cam image creature was a bit bigger, but the one I saw looked just like that. As far as the, the gaping open mouth and the facial features, they were very similar. And I had this visceral reaction to it. So again, in case people didn't hear that, because um, I think you cut out a little bit, but you found, I mean, that's okay. You found an image from a news, a news source that had published uh, a picture from a trail cam. These are cameras that are set up on trails. Uh, you know, you know, sometimes people are capturing deer on these trail cameras, or maybe they're hoping to capture Bigfoot or, or whatever, but there's someone caught on this trail cam, the same creature that you saw and they call, they referred to it as a rake. That's what a lot of the, um, well, in the news broadcast, they didn't, they didn't refer to it as a rake. They were saying like, what is this? You know, this guy sent it in. Hunters will often utilize trail cameras to, you know, for whatever they're hunting, for whatever reason. But it was it was called on his trail cam, and the, that's what the guy who sent it in said. And then a lot of the reports I was late reading online, or there were blogs who had published the picture, and it it likened it to the rake, which I, you know, I didn't know about any of this when I first started searching. I learned afterwards that, yeah, um, I'm sorry, I'm so nervous. What was No, no, don't be nervous. You're just talking to someone over the back fence, that's all. <laughs> So, okay. and what is a rake? Okay, so a rake is a fictional character that was developed. I think the idea for it started on maybe 4chan. And it has a lot of the same characteristics as this creature. But the idea to come up with a rake, it predates the um, picture of the, or the trail cam picture of the creature. So a rake is a fictional character that these people just decided to, come up with and kind of develop and it just has a lot of the same features as the creature in the trail cam image so people just started you know it it was really just like a social thing over time people liken that trail cam image to the rake creature okay and the news story that published this photo from this hunter's trail cam where did that news story come from what like what part of the country Okay, yeah. So it was in the the picture was captured in Berwick, Louisiana, and the news station was in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So the same sort of area that the creature was captured, that same news outlet for that area. Uh, they had they said someone had sit in the end and they actually aired it on their I believe it was the morning show. Yeah. What year is this? This was in 2010. So over a decade, yeah. Uh, Missy, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll uh, continue to discuss your encounter with this pale crawler, a real-life monster. Missy <laughs> Sterling is the author of Rakes, Fakes, and Double Takes. Back with more of our conversation right after these. It's time to redefine reality. 
This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. We're back with Missy Sterling. Her brand new book, Rakes, Fakes, and Double Takes, just not in that order. And uh, that is going to be available very soon. Are you taking pre-orders on Amazon? or Not currently. Uh, I had been with a publisher to do the book, and then things kind of, you know, we had some differences and went separate ways. So I'm self-publishing for the first time. It's all new to me. So um, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, how, I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to do pre-orders. But if I could figure it out, I will. All right. So the website, they'll order from the website? Um, well, it's going to be available on Amazon. All right, it will be on, on Amazon. Kindle. Okay. Yeah, right. Kindle and paperback. All right, and the website is in the episode notes for MissyLeeSterling.com, MissyLeeSterling.com, and Lee is spelled L-E-I-G-H, by the way, Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, Missy Lee Sterling, but again, just go to the episode notes and you'll find the link. So this uh, trail cam creature looked an awful lot like uh, your chalky... Uh, humanoid entity that you encountered. Uh, this story that came out of Baton Rouge, was there like a comment section where people responding and saying, hey, I've seen something like that? Or, Well, here's how, here's how that all kind of unfolded. So I, I reverse image searched the picture and I found a Reddit or a subreddit called uh, Crawler Sightings. Um, and then I read a bunch of blog posts and I, there were a lot of accounts people had given where they described, and I'm sorry, my dog is barking. That's, That's all right. Um, people had described uh, an encounter and they would say, just like that creature in that trail cam image, even though that's been debunked. And I, I kept seeing this over and over and I thought, how, is it, you know, if someone created a picture of something that looks so similar to, to what I saw, what all these other people say, they said, who debunked this and how did they do that? So that is kind of when I went down the rabbit hole. Right. So um, this image that was published by this news organization in Baton Rouge, again, this photo from a trail cam, was it a photo or a video? It was a it was a photograph, okay. and it was it had originally been uploaded to a a hunting a hunting forum called Archery Talk, and that was the, so that's the actual source. You know, when you talk about like the source of information, the first place it appeared online, it would have been that hunting forum. All right, and uh, people were commenting that that photo had been debunked, and so that's when you decided. To do what? Try and determine who debunked it. How? What process? What you know? Methodology did they use to debunk this photo of uh, what is now being referred to by others as the crawler or the pale crawler? Correct. Yeah. So I just I I wondered how that you know if it was debunked. I just wanted to know how and what criteria were used to debunk it. So I found this blogger had gone through and given all these reasons that he believed the photo was a fake. And I, as I'm looking at a lot of these explanations, I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is kind of like sloppy investigative work because there are other explanations besides just what he's given. So I, he was saying that he put it in a file decoder program called JPEG Snoop and that it stated the image was photoshopped. But as I'm looking at it, I can see this area where the 
makers of the trail cam put their logo. And I thought, well, that would, you know, that would give back data saying it had been photoshopped because of that logo being added. Um, and that's when I went, to, I went to this website called Photo Forensics. And you, it gives all these tutorials, like great tutorials on how to determine if an image has been tampered with and the sort of processes and the things that you can look at. And they have a bunch of different tools. Um, one of them is called air level analysis. So if you upload a photo and you run air level analysis, it will show you compression rate anomalies. And when you have a JPEG image, you expect the image to be at roughly the same compression level. But when there are anomalies, it'll pick it up and how it, and it gives it like this pinkish or red or even like bright white color. And you can tell by looking at the image where everything else looks uniform, where this logo is, the air level analysis shows these areas where it's pink and white and it's a lot brighter. And so you can tell like visually, you can look at this image and see that if the JPEG Snoop software, the blogger says he ran it through is telling him that it was photoshopped. It's just saying that it picked up compression rate anomalies that are consistent with a, a photoshopped image. But because of the air level analysis, I could see that I was right. It was just the area where this timestamp was. And there was no area around the creature that gave back data saying that it had been photoshopped. Uh -huh. So that was, yeah, that was a big one. When I, when I saw that, I thought, okay, <laughs> there's something to this. So the conclusion that you drew was that this was not a uh, debunked, photoshopped uh, image of this creature. This was legitimate. This was real. Right. Well, if anything, I, I felt like it could be argued that this was not debunked properly. It wasn't, you know, that was the biggest thing for me, but it wasn't just that timestamp and logo and running it through the photo forensics. There were an, a number of things. He, there was a tree that was you could see in the picture and the, the guy who uploaded the original photo later came back and uploaded photos from the same trail camera for comparison because he was getting a lot of, you know, a lot of flack for it. And there's a tree in the, in this photograph and in another one he uploaded and the blogger said there's a nine day gap between one of the photos and the other. And he says, you know, there's no way, considering the amount of time that had passed, which was nine days, that the tree in that image could hold on onto its leaves without losing any. And so I have a friend who went to a school for botany and I asked her to identify the plant and it was kind of grainy. She said if she had to guess though, she would say it was a plant called sassafras. And I asked her if it was possible to hold on to leaves for that long. And she was, she said, you know, it's not just possible. It's, it's likely because climate matters more really than the time of year and being in the south you know the climate in winter is very mild it doesn't get super cold and so she said that some some trees especially in that family will hold on to their leaves all the way through the winter and into the following spring so that was another you know i marked that off as not being really a anything that you could claim and say okay this makes it fake well, wow, you, really took, something a deep dive. you really took a deep dive now you're employing botanists and uh, <laughs> Well, it was just, you know, if it hadn't been one of my friends, I would have found one because I just, if anything, wanted to, wanted to find out for myself. I knew, right, because I've seen it. And so I knew, but I just thought, like, 
people were so quick to just put it to, put it to bed because I, it's horrifying and I get it. But I went as far as to even run like a high pass filter. Sometimes when you run a high pass filter over something, it'll bring out hidden details in the image. And I believe when I did that, I could see a distinction between an iris and a sclera on this, on this thing's eyeballs. And I, I did, I posted a video on YouTube that had pretty much everything about the investigation. There are other aspects to it and some things that I think I probably got wrong and I'll, I'll do an update for that. But for the most part, I, I believe I successfully countered everything that that blogger claimed made the picture fake. All right, Missy, another time out uh, awaits. Missy Sterling, rakes, fakes, and double takes, just not in that order. Coming to Amazon very, very soon. Her uh, incredible encounter and investigation of a creature now known as the Pale Crawler. Back with more in a moment. Truth will set you free, free, free. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. We're back with Missy Sterling. The book is Rakes, Fakes, and Double Takes, just not in that order. It should be out in a couple weeks. Amazon and uh, Missy's website. The URL is in the episode notes. Uh, so at a certain point, you started to uh, map uh, create a plotting um, a, a map of the locations where the pale crawler has been seen. Tell me about that. Okay, there was already a map on Reddit that someone had started that that was plotting locations where people had reported seeing this thing, but it was outdated. So I took all of the encounters I had been able to collect, and including my own, and I. Uh, basically did an updated version of that. And it is interesting because when you look at, I know you're familiar with missing four and one, right? Yes. Oh yes. You, yeah. So they, ha they plot their areas where people go missing. And in the past, there's been a correlation drawn between cave systems and these people that are missing the, it, it lines up really well. And I found that like the plots, the points that were being plotted on this, um, map I was doing, if there wasn't a cave system right in the area, there was a karst system, which I've learned is basically just kind of like sinkholes or areas where we we can dig into caves if we wanted to enter, but also creatures are aware of these little karst areas where they can, you know, shimmy into a cave, I guess. And there's a karst system right over the area where I had my encounter. So that that was interesting. That is interesting. So the suggestion being that that's where they they live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I mean, if you believe that they're physical or, yeah, that would be, you know, I initially thought they were just totally physical. But now, I, you know, I've had other information I found. And then this guy who was a contractor for De Beers Diamonds, and he worked in areas where he would mine rare earth elements. And he says that there's like a really strong correlation between these rare earth sites and these kind of cryptid creatures. So, yeah. You believe that the Army Corps of Engineers may be involved. How so? Well, I was, I'm probably like midway 
them that, well, I don't know if it'll ever be over, but I got, I investigated everything. I put a video out and I got an email. It was like an encrypted email in my Gmail account. And this guy said, you know, you're spot on about a lot of these things. Um, and then he started telling me to ask myself these questions. And to me, that that makes someone all the more credible when they're telling you where to look, but not what to see. And he says there was a flood in the spring of the following year that, that picture surfaced. So that was in um, November of 2010. So the spring of 2011, he said that the core had just completely flooded that area where the creature was. And, you know, he said, you might want to look into that. And the, the suggestion was, I believe this is how I interpreted it, that they did that to kill that creature off. And to me, that, that says like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something pretty hard to deal with. If you're willing to, if that is in fact what happened, if you're willing to flood an entire area. Um, and in my research, I found the army Corps of engineers comes up a lot around things like this. Um, people finding bones on their property of what they suggest is a giant. You just see the core pop up a lot when things like that. Um, so they move in and they flood okay. the area. So in this case, what they flooded the cave system or the, 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 the karst area. Well, the area of, uh, Berwick, Morgan city, Louisiana was in, was flooded completely. They opened the spillway, the Morganza spillway. And I, you know, there were a bunch, there were a few scenarios that, publicly I could find information about where they could have done A, B, or C. And I never really could get to the bottom of exactly why they went the route they did. I know that it was like one of the driest years on record. So I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. That there would be a flood. But then someone pointed out if a lot of rainwater is coming down from up north, then that could potentially create a flood. I just, I, I don't know. And, you know, I wish I knew more about why they chose that. Um, particular route to let the water kind of prevent it from swelling up to where it created a huge problem. But I can't, I can't really, you know, because that's not really my area of expertise at all. So I know it, it's strange that the guy, this guy knew to tell me to look into that and ask myself why they did that. But um, I, do, I can't say for certain this is 100% what the Army Corps of Engineers did. But I do think it's interesting the way they'll come up when people people have found bones of giants on their property. They kind of come in and confiscate those remains. And I found just on the Army Corps of Engineers website, they said that they had a collection of dinosaur fossils and all kinds of stuff that was so vast that it spans the entire paleontological record, which is a bold claim, right? Mm. Um, but that I thought that was interesting too. You know, it's not necessarily like a smoking gun, like, okay, this is 100% what's happening, but it's just interesting. Have you looked back and to see in the historical record uh, whether there have been more of these pale crawler sightings? Yes. Okay. So I, a lot of people talk about, oh, uh, you've probably heard of these, a Wendigo. Yes. Or so they, people have said, well, there's, this thing is probably the Wendigo or the Skinwalker. And, and I think it's very possible because it, the descriptions of it across different uh, Native American legends. And then even if you go back, there's a description of a ghoul, 
I don't know. I'm not sure if I said that right, <laughs> but yes. it's yeah, G H O U L. Yeah. So those those actually predate Islam, and they're these undead these undead monsters, and they're skinny and pale, kind of emaciated, and they consume human flesh. That's what the goal. That's the definition of the goal. And then the Wendigo that cannibalism comes up, and the Skinwalker, the same thing. So. I, I wonder if this thing is just not like the base form of something that kind of takes on the, you know, the appearance of other animals. There was a uh, report these two guys had given, you know, cemeteries come up a lot too. That's one of the things I've noticed in a lot of these encounters, not always, but it comes up often enough for, you know, it to kind of <laughs> ring a bell in your mind. Like, okay, there's something going on here. And that's the description of a goal is, pretty much exactly like, you know, this humanoid that you and I are talking about. And it, it seems to be the Wendigo also fits that description. And then there was a guy called James Teat, and he was living with a group of indigenous people. They're, they're called the interior Salish. And he talks about this creature that they describe and it's, you know, naked and really thin like a human, but it, it moves on all fours and it chases people like ghosts do, but it's more persistent. That was his description of it. So I, I don't think it's like an entirely new phenomenon. Like some people have suggested, I think these things have been seen for a long, long time. Under different names. Uh, you mentioned right. the cemetery. So the cemetery. So is the uh, suggestion then that the, these pale crawlers uh, like ghouls are going into cemeteries, digging up human remains, fresh human remains to eat. Yeah, it's it's possible. Um, I, they've been reported eating roadkill too, and it's really interesting because the guy I was telling you about, who was a private contractor, he says that they come in from this sidereal place, which would mean another dimension, and to remain persistent in our reality they have to consume native matter. So uh, carbon from this realm, like so dead animals, um, human flesh. And that sounds consistent with a Wendigo that consumes something and kind of takes on the image and likeness of what it's consumed. So back to that question, physical or astral, it sounds like maybe a little bit of both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, I guess kind of wrapping this up, what, what is the, uh, what is the takeaway for you? I mean, why did it happen to you and, and how, how do you make sense of this? I think, you know, you have to become comfortable just staying in the question because a lot of these things, there, there isn't really a solid answer for it. You don't, I mean, you can guess all day and there are things that kind of, start to make sense when you look here or there, but essentially it's, it's having to be, I think it's having to be okay with the fact that you may never know 100% exactly what it was that happened. And for me, just like knowing other people had seen the same thing, it, it made me feel a lot less crazy. Right. Um, <laughs> because it, it's a, it's a life changing experience. I didn't really know what cryptozoology was. I just heard of Bigfoot, so I so it was all new to me. But I think, yeah, 
just um, knowing other people saw it and, you know, that you're not insane. <laughs> that, that, that's what, yeah, that's the reason I kept going. So do you now have kind of a, a network of other eyewitnesses to the pale crawler that you keep in contact with? Or is this sort of the end of the road in terms of like you've written the book, you've gotten it out there and now you're going to move on or do you ever move on? I don't think you ever, I don't think you ever do. You know, prior to this, I, when I was younger, I'd seen ghosts and that was pretty common for me. So, you know, seeing something walk through a wall that it had happened to me so much, it kind of didn't really phase me anymore. But the, this thing was flesh and blood. And so I, that terrified me because you think, you know, your world. Right. And then here I was like near 30 years old and I realized like, I know nothing. So that was, that was difficult, but, um, yeah, I don't think you ever do. I don't think you ever do give it up. It, it, you know, it kind of expands into other things as you keep looking into it. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever stop. Rakes, fakes, and double takes, just not in that order by Missy Sterling. Forward by Hammerson Peters. Who's Hammerson Peters, Missy? He is a YouTuber who covers um, cryptids and, you know, missing cases that are not really easy to explain. And he's actually the first person I reached out to when I, you know, I said, hey, have you ever heard of people <laughs> talking about seeing this thing? And he's actually the one who uh, gave me the heads up about that entry from James T talking about the interior Salish he had lived with and that legend they had about these things that chase people. Mm. So, yeah, he's a good friend now, though. All right. Well, fascinating, fascinating discussion, Missy. And uh, again, the book is out uh, soon at Amazon, Rakes, Fakes, and Double Takes, and Missy's website, MissyLeeSterling.com, is in the uh, the episode notes. Thank you so much, Missy. Great meeting you. Hope we'll speak again. Aww, you too. Thank you so much. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at StrangePlanetPodcast.com.